0: Dr. Drew podcast. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget to get the swinging sounds. Also, a lot of bit of business here. Um, we've got uh, Doctor.com. I want you guys to sign up for the contact list. I'll answer those emails best I can on the various podcasts. Check out Swole Patrol. Check out This Life. Also, um, if you go over to the, my Instagram site, I would love you to follow there. It's Dr. Drew Pinsky. I'm starting to do some almost daily sort of Instagram lives there and it's pretty cool cuz you can bring people up on the screen with you and they can ask questions and it's just it's just very interesting sort of technology it's sort of a new-ish love liney kind of thing so please join me there and um uh, yeah and support the people that support this podcast don't forget the Amazon banner don't forget to support the people that support us we are pretty pleased with the people that we carefully vet to bring on here with us to help support the show so we can keep the winds in the sail of the Corolla pirate ship i'm welcoming today Liz Arch the book is The Courage to Rise it is available around Christmas time. Is that right, Liz? Yes. December okay, you're going 24th. to need to right up on this thing. Okay. There you go. Um, and it is the subtitle is "Using Movement, Mindfulness, and Healing Foods to Triumph Over Trauma." And I was intrigued by this, and I want to dig into it with you. You can follow her at the web, her website, Liz L I Z Arch A R C H. Also, Instagram is Liz Arch, and Twitter at Primal Yoga. Pram Yoga is her creation, a dynamic blend of yoga, martial arts, and meditation. Uh, you've got a bunch of stuff you're doing in terms of um, domestic violence counseling and advocacy. You also are trained in some jiu-jitsu and other martial arts. Very yes. interesting. Okay. And you've been done Under Armour ads. Yes. Right. mm mm-hmm. uh, so tell me where this idea came from and, you know, give me the basic philosophy. Give me, give me your version of it. Then I'll have a million questions, I'm Yeah,
1: sure. absolutely. So thank you so much for having me on. Uh, the book is really a practical guide for healing unresolved manifestations of trauma and symptoms of trauma like anxiety, depression, um, you know, digestive issues, chronic.
0: So before this started, yes. how did you know that was an important thing to do uh, to, to heal trauma?
1: because i 've been through it myself, Your so yes, them. so it's it 's very near and dear to my heart. um
0: can you talk about what happened yeah, of-
1: absolutely so i 've been through quite a bit of trauma in my life. Mm-hmm. My earliest trauma that I can remember was when I was five years old. Um, I was born and raised in Hawaii, and we lived on kind of near this marshland and I remember it was new year 's Eve, and my family my mom and dad you know woke me up in the middle of the night, panicked, and just said, we need to get out of our house now and uh our house was flooding and so they kind of pulled me out of bed and we had a kind of sunken in living room and walked out and all of our furniture was, you know, underwater, um, floating. My dad had to wade me out of the house on his shoulders and put us on the roof of the car, my sister and I. And then we had to wait for a boat to come and Jeez. rescue us. So literally a boat came down our driveway um, and then my dad went off to kind of, off, you know, different houses to help our neighbors um, on the search search and rescue for, for other people. But I didn't realize at the time um, – that that was a trauma, obviously sure. I was five years old, sure. but I didn't realize how that one event would really impact my life and kind of organize my nervous system. And I always felt, as long as I can remember, just really chronically unsafe.
0: You said you've had quite a bit of trauma. Yes. What else?
1: Yeah. So uh, domestic violence, intimate partner violence. So as an adult, um, I was in a very abusive relationship, physically abusive, emotionally abusive. Was that uh, any of
0: that in your home of origin?
1: Um, not directly with my mom and dad but definitely on the periphery of our family tree mm. so there was a lot of Were
0: you exposed to that? yeah okay. so
1: there was a lot of kind of secondary traumatic stress mm-hmm. um i was very aware of things like intimate partner violence addiction um molestation like mm. that was all kind of on the periphery of my family mm-hmm. tree but fortunately not with you know my mom and dad mm. um so but but i was aware that it was there and i was aware of how how the effects that it had um and What's interesting for me is as long as I can remember, I've slept with a hammer under my bed and uh, sometimes even a knife under my pillow because I just always felt unsafe. But I didn't. I thought that that was normal and even into adulthood. And I was like, everyone sleeps with a hammer under their bed. And I realized, no, that's not. That.
0: Where did you get the idea to do it?
1: I just always felt unsafe. And so that was kind of one of the things for me that helped me feel a little safer in my environment. So I, I always felt unsafe wherever I went.
0: So one of the things to distinguish between is sort of environmental Traumas, wars, floods, all this stuff, yeah. Yeah. and then interpersonal trauma, yes. which are very have different effects on these organizing properties in our brain. Yeah, yeah, you have both.
1: Yeah, mm. <laughs> yes. So that was really the inspiration for for writing the book. Um, part of the way that I coped with the domestic violence, intimate partner violence, was um, I reached for for. Addictive substances. I, I uh, did magic mushrooms, and and my partner at the time actually introduced me to some of those substances. Um, and then I started developing really debilitating panic attacks. I was diagnosed with panic disorder
0: and you agoraphobia. Think some of those hallucinogens did that? Uh, they, they could cause it. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, for sure.
0: Ouch. Um, yeah. But I, I'm thinking about your hammer and your knife mm-hmm. under your bed, and the fact that you became a martial art expert essentially. Yeah. That sounds like you were subjected. Well, maybe that's like early you're subjected to some violence.
1: Um, not that I can remember uh. that I can recall, but again, it was it was there in my family. But I mean, um,
0: there it must have been like right in front of you,
1: yeah. So, uh, yes, so like uncles and aunts and but doing um, their
0: thing right there while you were in the living room, whatever.
1: Uh, no, honestly, no, not that I can remember, huh. not, yeah. So I didn't see, but also, so my my family owned a funeral home growing up Ooh. too. Um, so that uh-huh. adds kind of another layer. So uh, that's traumatic. I was, because. yeah. So I was around death all the time. Um, so I had a really interesting, colorful childhood. Yeah, yeah.
0: Was that was anything particular traumatizing? Because I've seen that I've treated a number of people that had that the transferring dead bodies and things as kids, and just they were wrecked by it. Didn't even realize it.
1: I didn't realize it at the time either because it was just normal it was what our home environment was um, the the one thing it wasn't uh, violence that I saw but um, my grandfather and I write about this in the book too um, he was arrested at one point when I was in my teens for exposing himself to a young boy um, and so our family kind of did an intervention. And on I him. only remember – yeah, on him. And, I, and we had a counselor present. But I only remember really bits and pieces of that because it was so fragmented in my mind. Mm-hmm. But just feeling really um, embarrassed and ashamed and also afraid. And, you were a young teenager and,
0: or middle, uh, middle Allison?
1: I don't actually remember exactly the time frame um, as we know with trauma survivors right. time kind of timelines. Um, Disappear. Did
0: you, have you done a timeline?
1: No, yeah. not for that particular one. But I, mean, I could just go ask my dad.
0: No, no, but I mean no one ever sat you down and did it because sometimes when you're doing trauma treatment, they'll ask you to do a Oh, yes. Line. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I have um, worked with trauma therapists and they sat me down and said literally like write out
0: do all of your traumas. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and, and there's one now to work on a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. but But – it's nice that the family was enlightened enough to take action, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of families would have just swept that away yeah. or dismissed it or who knows what.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: your parents were smart people and yeah. were progressive and were interested in mental health treatment and stuff, right? Yes. So you're lucky that way. Yes. Okay.
1: Very fortunate. And what was interesting, though, I talk about it also in the book because uh, in, the new, in the nutrition section, in the healing food section, that the way that our family um kind of dealt with stress was through food. And so I remember very clearly after that intervention that we did, my grandma just said, okay, now let's all eat. And we just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we <laughs> all we all ate and and then everything was fine is again. There like an nothing ever or a happened. Uh we're Hawaiian, Chinese, Chi- German. Yeah.
0: So is- that's quite a mix. Yes. And is that recent mix or is that an old mix? You know what I mean? Is it is the German and the Chinese of recent origin? Uh, no, no yeah, old,
1: yeah, generations
0: hmm. yes, and when you ate, what did you eat?
1: Probably Chinese food huh. uh, yeah, but just really looking at how um food can also you know become a part of someone's trauma story and how mm-hmm. it can what we're putting in our bodies can exacerbate symptoms of or trauma the and yeah, relate Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I really wanted to incorporate that as well.
0: And your own treatment, what was that?
1: My own treatment, so I've done a few different um, I've sought out a lot of mm. of therapeutic modalities how do you know I've to done do that? um just based on th- where I was at and what I needed in the moment.
0: But a lot of people were, 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 will really resist, particularly trauma survivors will resist. Well, you know. what's
1: interesting is I didn't know that I was a trauma survivor. I had no idea that those experiences that I had been through qualified as trauma. I didn't mm-hmm. even know what trauma was. I just thought, oh, yeah, I went through a flood. That happens to people. Yes, I've been through intimate partner violence. That also happens to people. So I was doing yoga Um I was doing yoga for. I've been doing yoga for about you know over 15 years, uh, and started finding my way into trauma informed yoga, and then really realizing, and then started doing some self research with authors like Peter Levine and Bessel van der Kolk's you know, Body Keeps the Score, and and really starting to understand. My favorite. Yeah, starting to understand that that. What I've been through is trauma, and that helped to really shape my healing.
0: Vessel I mean, was the sort of founder of, uh, of yes. uh, traumatology, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm I'm curious about the yoga informed you know therapies. Did you were you having bodily based stocks, sticks, sticking points, and some yoga instructor was saying, hmm, wonder why you're stuck there or anything no, like that?
1: No, it was really just me um, exploring it on my own after I got but out I'm of my. You
0: drifted into that.
1: Um, I'm not sure, but after I got out of my abusive relationship, I started working with a nonprofit uh, that uses art as a healing tool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for people that have been through domestic violence. And
0: Is that in Hawaii, still now?
1: No, it's in LA. It's called The Window Between Worlds, uh-huh. and they're a really fantastic organization. They have art programs in a lot of different shelters um, all over the country.
0: Domestic violence shelters? Yes. Were you in one at that point? No. Oh.
1: No. Um, but then I also connected now. So now I'm the West Coast director of a nonprofit called Purple.Yoga Project, and we use yoga as a healing tool to support and empower survivors of domestic violence and trauma. Um, and so we work with shelters. We have shelters in Florida that we work with, and we also do one-on-one programs. We have an eight-week program for survivors, and it's completely free. So it was really just my own self-interest and my investment in my own healing and really trying to understand All of the symptoms that I was experiencing, I was having like rage responses and just self-worth issues and, like I said, panic disorder and agoraphobia and trying to figure out how I can heal. Mm -hmm. And part of the – I say that – I mean the saving grace for me in terms of um, finding a more holistic path, which is not at all to knock medications because they can be life-saving for people. And doesn't
0: do much for trauma though. Yeah. I mean the panic and stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But the trauma – there was a study that came out just a couple weeks ago that uh showed clearly the if you take uh different subsets of depression mm-hmm. the, the trauma associated with depression depressives um don't respond to medication.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have you know there's many people in my life that have benefited from it but I've also seen the adverse side effects of, sure. of pharmaceuticals as well so I I was really looking for a more holistic path.
0: Did you have an aha moment where you thought oh my god I'm a trauma survivor? Um Or just slowly, kind of come come clear. Yeah,
1: it just slowly became clear as I was doing more of the self research and you know reading Bessel's book, um, and and reading through Peter Levine's work and seeing all of yes, and seeing all of these different things and you know being able to check off Mm -hmm. so many of the boxes, uh, and realizing that that this was my story. We
0: had Peter Levine with um, I'm blanking the name of the therapist. this Italian-sounding last name, Gary. It was a long time ago. Maybe yeah, her put, name was Shirley Imprezarelli. Shirley, yeah, Shirley mm-hmm. and, uh, and Peter Levine was in here. Mm-hmm. And what number was that? I'm looking at the spelling now. I may have mispronounced that, but it's 128. Okay. You can go to uh, podcast1.com slash premium. Subscribe. You'll get all the old Dr. Drew podcasts as well as the whole Podcast One. Catalog. And uh, you've tried to book Bessel van Vandekulk over the years, haven't you? We tried to get him in here? That does sound familiar. Yeah, but correct. I've sent you his name a few times. I was like, get him in here. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Um okay so you stuff comes clear and and then you just keep going and eventually you're are you getting trauma therapy in there somewhere like specific trauma Yeah therapy? so yeah.
1: I've I've worked with a few trauma therapists I found talk therapy um at least when I was doing it very unhelpful mm. uh because it was very re-traumatizing every time I had to talk about what my experience was I my nervous system was so completely dysregulated that I would leave feeling so heavy in my body and uh, do you have EMDR or anything like I that? I did EMDR. And that
0: left you that way too?
1: EMDR for me personally was uh, not helpful. But uh-huh. I know for many people it is helpful. But uh-huh. it wasn't helpful for me. So the therapeutic modalities that I had searched out weren't that helpful. Which
0: is really interesting. So this is a, a, a sort of – I wouldn't even call it cautionary. It's illustrative. And you've got to find the right therapy for the right person. Yes. And we don't – as professionals don't really know necessarily how to do that. We yeah. don't know yet who to select. So if you're really not getting better with stuff and you're actively engaged, regroup. Yeah. Look at other things. And that's
1: what I did. I just kept looking. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I would never – recommend to someone that you don't try no, of a, course not. therapy yeah. or, you know, go down that path. Absolutely do because it can and be so helpful and, and for people. And you people. haven't had
0: the, you've never had the really horrible, you know, shattering childhood traumas and stuff yeah. that, that EMDR is like essential for because yes. you can't get at that stuff any other way. Yeah, Although some of the bodily-based stuff, there, there is, there's been a sort of, a, um, I don't want to say rich, but a a literature that's been there about, you know, how to, how, personal, how trauma's left in the body and how mm-hmm personality styles are reflected in posture and body and how to go to the body first as a way of undoing some of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what's been most helpful for me is is going in through the body first and then then I can talk about it. It becomes so much easier for me to talk about it when my nervous system is regulated through body-based interventions.
0: Let me, let me just bring a little piece of my own story in there. Somebody tried to get me to do the body-based stuff and I just could not relate to it. But... Mm-hmm. I was having a lot of trauma, traumatic body-based experiences, you know, dysregulation like you're describing. Finding a way into a connected, deep experience with an emotionally focused therapy had a marked effect on me. Mm. So it was having having that presence of another person that I finally allowed in and a holding frame that let me safely go into the trauma stuff. That was the thing for me. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know? and, that's and I didn't had
0: no idea as I was going into it. Who yeah. knows what was going to work? You know,
1: absolutely. That's yeah. what's so important about what we do with trauma informed yoga is to really create a container of safety. Because what I know for myself, and what I yeah. know for the survivors I've worked with, is that we feel unsafe in mm-hmm. our bodies. We feel ungrounded. It's difficult um, to to stay present. And so, using yoga, using tools of mindfulness and meditation, can really help to connect you back to that felt sense and bring you back into your body. Body bring you back into the here and now.
0: And Gary, speaking of EFT, I hate to keep doing this, but uh, Sue Johnson, what number is that one? I think we did a couple of them with her, but that was a great discussion about mm. emotion focused therapies. Yeah. 15. Yeah, 50, early. 40. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. 15 or 40. So, okay, now let's start. Oh, t- you know what? I'm sorry. It's 15 on Dr. Drew and weekly infusion number 40. Really? So Sue, says, Sue Johnson? Was that weekly infusion? It's possible that we repurposed the Dr. Drew for that. Oh, that's what happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're one of these people that struggle with muscle cramps, you know what I'm talking about. You can't sleep, it's disruptive, you can't exercise, you can't get through your normal daily activities. But now with Therwick's relief, there is a relief here for you. It's a non greasy foam that's clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast, reduces muscle soreness, of course, because they're not tearing apart in the middle of the night. And with daily use, twice daily use, Therawix Relief can prevent muscle cramps before they start. You get that full night's sleep, you get to exercise, get through your activities, and it's so simple, and it's not a medication any longer. You can't imagine how desperate people are, and they've been demanding medicines out of me for years that are sedating or dangerous, but they're so desperate, they're willing to take these medications. Not no more. With Therawix Relief, it takes only minutes to apply, it absorbs quickly, and it works. I recommend it to family, friends, patients, and the results speak for themselves. It is my choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours, too. Get Theraworks Relief in the pain aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. That is Theraworks Relief for your muscle cramps. Well, if you're looking to buy a car, you are hearing terms like MSRP and list price and dealer price and invoice price. You don't know what any of those things mean. I don't know what any of those things mean. It's meant to confuse you. But now with True Car, you have the true price. It's a price that means something you'll know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories. Of course, that before you ever get to the dealership. True Car Dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And you know the true price is a great price because True Car shows you what others paid for the same car you want, and true car certified dealers know this so they set that true price competitively so they win your business right they want you in there you know what i'm talking about it's true car you see that scattergram you learn about what pricing is in your vicinity for the car you want and once you lock in that price you know it's a true price clues fees and accessories but you also know it's for an actual vehicle on a true car certified dealer's lot so you enjoy a much more confident, easy buying experience when you're ready to buy new or used. Don't forget, true has used cars as well. You will enjoy that more confident buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Yes, Purple. Purple mattress. You will love this. There's just nothing like it. If you didn't sleep well last night, you've been tossing a turning. it could be your mattress. And sleep, of course, is very important. Better sleep, better you. If you're struggling, look into Purple. Purple is a company founded by two brothers who were developing cushion technology for 30 years and uh, in 2016 they decided to do it on their own and patent this comfort technology the purple mattress will feel different than anything you've experienced before it uses a brand new material developed by actual these actual rocket scientists it's not like the memory phone you're used to it's hard to describe it's like you're floating uh, i love these mattresses purple material feels unique is both firm and soft at the same time keeps everything supported while still feeling so it's really something it's breathable it sleeps cool And guess this, it's free shipping. It just shows up. It's a 100-night risk-free trial. If you are not fully satisfied, you can return your matches for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, and as I said, free shipping and free returns. I'm telling you, you're going to be happy with this. And right now, our listeners get a free purple pillow with the the purchase of a mattress that's in addition to the great free gifts they're already offering site-wide. Just text Drew, D-R-E-W, to the number 474747. It's the only way to get that free pillow is to text the word Drew, my name, to 474747. Again, one more time, that's Drew to 474747 for that free purple pillow. So we need to now get into the modalities and how you got into it and, and sort of what, what you do. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. sure.
1: So um, I have my own style of yoga called primal yoga that I blend with yoga and martial arts. So my background is in Kung Fu, uh, also Tai Chi, self-healing Qigong, so external and internal martial, art, martial arts, and also Jiu-Jitsu. And, which,
0: there's mindfulness with this, right?
1: Um, with, the, with the Qigong and with the Tai Chi, absolutely. Yeah. So do you
0: give guided mindful? Sort of stuff, or is it up to the individual to do it, or how's that yep. work? yep
1: so with with mindfulness and with incorporating that with yoga um absolutely so there's there's different mindfulness techniques there's a ton of different meditation techniques um we cover a lot of them in the book there's basically you can flip to any page and, and find a meditation Give or an example a mindfulness technique um just a simple one to like to just breath counting. Is, is one way in to take a big diaphragmatic that's both, breath.
0: That's both mindfulness and meditation, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So taking a big diaphragmatic breath into your belly, and then as you exhale, just mentally counting one, and then continuing the count all the way up to 10, and then seeing if you can count backwards to one. So just starting to- Seeing
0: if- uh, People lose their focus? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So Even at 20. Yeah. Just a 20? Just at 20?
1: So oftentimes I'm, my aim is for 10 and I end up, my mind just continues to count all the way up to 20 or 30. And, and that's that's part of the practice is just to notice when your mind wanders and to know that you're not doing it wrong. It's just becoming the observer of your thoughts and noticing when you're wandering. Interesting. But just focusing your concentration. So it's a concentration practice.
0: And so that helps your body regulate.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: you're not in this fight-or-flight response all the time. Yes. So
1: it's evoking the relaxation response. Um, there's been a lot of research about the relaxation response and how it can kind of start to, to modulate um, the, you know, our fear centers, our, our stress response, our amygdala, and research coming out about how meditation can, can uh, grow I guess, Mm -hmm. the hippocampus Mm -hmm. and prefrontal cortex, which essentially goes offline, as you know, Mm -hmm. um, under traumatic stress. So there's exciting things that are emerging in this field that are really research-backed, which is what what really draws me to it.
0: And then the yoga. Give me an example of how that works.
1: Sure. So the yoga is – to teach it in a trauma informed way is really to use more invitational language because trauma often robs people of of choice mm-hmm. and of their personal power mm-hmm. so rather than demanding you know to twist yourself into a pretzel um, it's just inviting people to to see how does this feel in your body explore what this feels like if this doesn't feel good try this instead how, and then
0: how many people can you do it at once
1: um, I prefer i think all Yoga classes, public yoga classes should be trauma-informed, mm. but it's most effective for me when I'm really working one-on-one with right. someone because so, then you can create really that safe container. Right.
0: That's my sense that, yeah. that you have a talent for that. Yes. That, 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 I don't
1: know if I have a talent for that, but I, I enjoy it very much.
0: Well, you know, that I feel the, the frame that you hold and what I can feel it. I can just yeah. feel that you're available for that. And that to me is a re- – that's that piece I was saying about my own therapy. That, yeah. That's a really important part of trauma therapy is yeah. that that holding environment which – a lot of therapists of all types don't know how to create. I yeah. Say.
1: Just giving back personal power. And that can even be something as small as when that's I come into a room. It's
0: more than that. I mean I'm sure that's what you're offering them, but yeah. you're offering them from a place of complete availability. Yes. You're open and available to them. Your body's there and yeah. tuning to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's that's a certain Absolutely. skill that not everybody has. So
1: and I think what's what's um important about this work is or at least what I've, why I really feel called to it is because I've been there. And so I can hold an empathetic space for someone that's also been through a similar experience. And I know for me, one of the modalities that I also tried was CBT, which mm. I really believe in. And mm-hmm. it's so closely aligned with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had two different experiences with it. One... When I was really at the height of my panic disorder, I sought out a a top cognitive behavioral therapist here in LA, and I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I was kind of, you know, struggling, and so even to fork out two hundred—it was Mm two hundred dollars—and when I showed up there, I had so much hope because I had done so much research, and you know, I had scraped together my pennies to, to go to this expert, and I left feeling more hopeless than ever because. He sat across from me and looked at me like I was just a case study, and mm-hmm. I could tell immediately like we were completely misattuned. And I felt like he has no idea what this actually feels like. He studied it, so it's very cerebral for him. So he knows kind of the, you know, cerebrally how to, intellectually how to help me, but there's no connection. And it was very cold and it was very, um, it just – it was not the environment for me and so I, I ended up I finding someone else. Could,
0: I don't see how people can heal from – I can see how they could regulate their panic with CBT. I don't understand yeah. how you could heal from trauma with CBT. I just don't get it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I,
0: I know people try but I don't get it. Yeah. One of I, the I, most I, helpful things for well, me was hearing my, – Well, my belief is that the guys that are, have efficacy with CBT are people that have a frame, that they can, yep. you know, empathetic frame they can hold. Absolutely. They're just doing the yeah. same thing just with a different modality.
1: Yeah. It's so important. Mm. Yeah. And I guess
0: what's important then, I guess, choosing the right patient for that kind, as opposed to your kind, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, and then let's let's drift over into domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Now, so you're you're using all this in that setting too. Yes. And so many of these people are engaged in something that uh, Bessel van der Kolk at all would sort of call a traumatic reenactment. Yeah. Right. Tell people about that.
1: Yeah. Um. So. Basically, you know, trauma dysregulates our nervous system and and specifically with with domestic violence and also with sexual assault, which can occur within intimate partner violence relationships, is um, when our boundaries have been violated, we can – we can either kind of completely loosen our boundaries, and I, I would call it an unconscious attempt to repair a rupture, um, or we can completely close down and shut off our boundaries. Uh, or go back and forth. Or go back and forth, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we can find ourselves in situations that feel very unsafe, but it it's, it's kind of a way to um, – Feel like we're we're in control of the situation and and also just the way the brain works, which you know. Well, I think
0: I think it wires in an attraction yeah. to that. I mean, yeah. you're literally, they're attracted to those people mm-hmm. that they're obliged by. And yeah. even even when you go back and go, oh, I'm never going to hang out with a guy like that again. Yeah, this guy is totally different. Totally, but I got to be with him. Yeah, and it, that attraction. You know, immediately it's one of those guys. Oh, and then it
1: produces so much shame because for me, I had the exact same thing. So I got out of an incredibly abusive relationship. So I'm I'm never going to do this again. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. Ends up doing the same thing. Exact same, exact same pattern, different person. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, when that happened to me, because I had already done what I thought was so much healing. And it turns out a lot of it was just spiritual bypassing. Um, What is that? And basically just in, in the spiritual community uh, yoga can be really beneficial but it can also be harmful too and bypassing I love that yes so it's it it's using sense. spiritual practices We're to thinking you're, you're yeah. doing your thing
0: yeah you're convincing yourself exactly. that you're healing
1: exactly yeah. but really you're just repressing all of this oh, stuff oh my god um, so that how that do we was get those people to <laughs> comply with treatment
0: because those are the most resistant on yeah. earth they've got all the answers
1: yes so oh. yeah that's, that's the, because
0: trauma survivors don't want to go there anyway no and so you add in a whole spiritual system on top of it and yeah. forget it
1: oh my goodness so uh-huh. it, it can also it can be really detrimental and there's a lot of predators in the yoga world too unfortunately mm-hmm. which is why trauma-informed yoga is so necessary to create a safe a safe space
0: who is that nutty guy that's that hot yoga guy that oh bikram oh my god uh, yes talk about traumatizing i think
1: he fled the country i, I believe haven't so. checked in Yes, I believe <laughs> last so. i heard yes <laughs> oh,
0: come on now Yes. So, so be careful if you've had trauma and you seem to find yourself in situations uncannily that are retraumatizing. Yeah, that's what that is. That's yep. your subconscious. It's all about drives and attraction, and it brings you back into circumstances and into relationships uh, that are reenactments. Yeah, or and at least then, oblige you by reenacting. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And um, what I found for myself is that healing is not linear. And so you can take one step forward and 10 steps back. Um, Talk about that a little more. Yeah. So it's – and that's part of the shame. I think part of the the biggest piece to healing trauma is moving through shame. And All right, that's
0: a big topic. I don't think I've ever yeah. really dealt with that in this podcast, okay. so the topic of shame. What, what, do you, what do you want to say about shame?
1: Oh, man, shame has been my entire life. Um, so shame is a big thing for you? Yes, shame is a huge thing for me and for so many of the trauma survivors that I work with. It's the the biggest piece is because, especially with intimate partner violence, we um, we're told so often by a partner, "This is your fault." If you tell anyone, we'll tell the world that you're crazy, and then you start to believe that you are crazy. And and in situations where you know I've engaged in the violence myself, and and feel so out of control, um, and so you just bury yourself in a mountain of shame. And what well, what
0: does shame mean to you?
1: Shame. Uh, Shame is really the feeling of not I've done something bad, but I am bad. Right. Like at my core, I am I'm just so dirty and low and bad that no one will love me. I'm not worthy. And, it, and it creates
0: a bunch of behaviors, right? Yeah. Such as?
1: Such as, uh, well, for me, I'm a major introvert, so kind of like hiding from the world, isolating, self-isolation. So hiding so people don't see the shame yep, or absolutely. don't see what is shaming yeah, about you. Yeah, yeah. Or then, not being authentic. But um, then you
0: get people in your life that are reflective of that feeling of filth.
1: Yeah, yes. So it's it's so hard to, to unpack shame.
0: So give me an example of that, of relationships that are reflective of those feelings of shamefulness.
1: Um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that. In the, go ahead. Yeah. Well, what's interesting for me, it's part of um, my experience with intimate partner violence is that my abuser would always say, I'm just a mirror for you. I'm just a mirror for you. He, and he,
0: bo- this one abuser or both of them did it? One. The one yeah. guy did it. Yeah. Okay. The one guy. guy. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, and, and that's, that's. That kind of languaging is really built in into the spiritual communities and into like the yoga world is, and into kind of the life coaching world is, you know, people saying that everyone's a mirror um, for you. And, and that creates another layer of shame because you feel like, OK, well, if this person is saying I'm just a mirror, then all of the negative, horrific qualities, abusive qualities that I'm seeing in this person must also be in me. Um. So, or I'm evoking them yeah. Or am I, and so, so it's crazy making. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy making, and it's part of the reason why domestic violence is a silent epidemic it is because there's so much self blame and shame around it about no one wanting to speak out, um, and then feeling like yeah, I'm educated. I went to USC. I have a college degree. I, my my parents were loving, even though I had a lot of peripheral familial trauma. Um, but.
0: Well, this uh, abuser sounds like a colossal narcissist, right? Yes. Colossal. Yeah. Uh, and, and unwinding
1: and, from that is
0: – And so it's his shame that he's casting onto you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. narcissists can't stand shame. Yeah. They can't tolerate any shame. Yeah. And uh, were you able to tolerate shame or did you? would you suppress it or step aside it?
1: Um, I would suppress it but I would also uh, – it would manifest in my body. So as um, it would show up kind of in my gut and it would show up um, in, in chronic tension and pain. Now, it in chronic sounds pain.
0: like – am I right that there was a – that's more of the self-loathing stuff? Then shame, and were those tied together for you?
1: Shame for me, like where I feel shame is in my gut. So, whenever I feel shame, it's like this deep, visceral gut reaction, and that could be tied to self loathing as well. Um, But it, and and also a feeling of like really wanting to just hide, like wanting to. Yeah, I get the shaming and hiding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Because when you're ashamed, that's that's what that emotion is. Mm -hmm. It makes you want to hide.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So part of what we do also – and I never um, – in trauma-informed setting when I'm working with one-on-one is I never ask – I never force a disclosure because I'm not a therapist. Mm. Um, but oftentimes disclosures happen because that's what we do is we create a safe space. And when someone knows that I've been through that as well, uh, it gives them a space to to talk in, in, again, in a safe container.
0: And even then to disclose an event is a lot different than discussing the shame attached to it. Yeah. That that there's a lot of layers to shame too.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Um, about the layers to shame. Yeah. Sure. So, I, I mean, just for what I've experienced personally, or with the people that Neither I work or with, or both. Yeah. Um, we so I lead trauma informed yoga teacher trainings, mm. and part of what we do is. Um, we talk about collectively shame and we do kind of an opening circle where, you know, we ask people, have you ever felt um, depressed? Have you ever felt anxious? Have you ever felt like a fraud? And that's Part of a big thing of shame too is just feeling like a fraud, and everyone steps into the circle and and just being able to attune with other people that feel shame and starting to notice where it lives in your body and just asking people where what does that feel like in your body what are you feeling um, what and kinds then of orienting hear? and grounding um, feel visceral but, like like that's a knot yeah that's you, but what else do you hear from other sure. people? sure um, I feel I well I hear things uh, like. People saying you know i'm i'm not worthy i'm not uh i'm it brings up a lot for us it's mainly women that are in the training, so there's a lot around um being a mother and um feeling that they're you know women are doing a horrible job mothering and well, not I, showing up in their lives
0: I'm watching you and I'm seeing a connection but in your brain, yeah, between shame and disgust, yeah, tell me about that
1: okay um well, because those, those, yeah. those don't necessarily connect
0: for me. Okay. I can see why they would, but they don't necessarily do so for me. And I'm wondering if.
1: Well, wonder what to, do you mean from what are you seeing for me in shame and disgust?
0: I'm just reading disgust when you talk about shame.
1: OK. Possibly. I wonder
0: if that's why. Because the body can be kind of disgusting for people, too, and maybe disgust sort of yeah drifts in, you know yeah absolutely. you've said filth, disgust, all those things are yeah, right well, I said that word, but it's sort of what I was feeling from you, yeah, so i'm 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 just interested in that 'cause we talked about we're talking about the layers of shame, yeah, sure,, uh, and i I mean, I, I think there's
1: a lot of body hate that goes on a lot, hate of p- is yeah. another word
0: that comes in with I mean, shame,
1: yeah, and i'm I'm a new mom too, so I'm experiencing um. I wouldn't say disgust, but I'm definitely not feeling at home in my body. Right, right. And for in my birth experience was actually quite a traumatic birth experience as well. And so just seeing all the shifts that go on there and the different levels. It was um natural unmedicated birth, which I thought with my yoga training, I was, so, I was so naive. No, I was just so naive. I, I took the hypnobirthing course and I thought like I am just going to breathe this baby out. I'm going to om him out. He's going to like swim out of oh my, gosh. my vagina like a – you know, like the Nirvana album cover, like a water birth. Oh my god, that's funny. And that did not happen. So instead it was 40 hours of excruciating back labor. He was positioned improperly. So it was all in my back and – um it ended up being a vacuum assist, oh my and God. so like, and it was the most painful thing ever. Again, I thought I was just like, I was like, I got this. I do yoga. I'm gonna breathe. Fifty percent of up. women
0: through history died in childbirth. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, so, it's huge. You know, that's just the way it is.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then I tore. They stitched me up again, like, unmedicated. I lost so much blood. My body was in shock. And, don't don't and it do was, that next time. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because when my baby came out, like, I kept – like, I would visualize before he was born that this is going to be the most profoundly spiritual connection I've ever felt. And you see the movies of mom, baby on the chest crying. I had zero emotion. when in shock. I was in shock. My yeah. body was in complete shock. And so he was on my chest and I was like, there's a baby. Like, <laughs> you know, I – Survived, um, so
0: <laughs> sorry for it was, lying, but it's no. Kind of it was
1: such an interesting experience, and yeah. then moms get shamed for that. Yeah, you get yeah. shamed, you know. When I would share my experiences and say like, "Oh, like I," you know. No, I, I think like,
0: your your experience should be. Reality testing, yeah. helping people stay in reality Absolutely. of what it is and why we are able to get women through this without dying. Now,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so I understand why people <laughs> get epidurals now. Yeah. How old is <laughs> <how's the> baby now? <laughs> He's eight months old. Oh, oh my goodness! You're in yes, middle of it. yes, yeah. yeah. So that was another interesting experience. But it was interesting to see how my body responded, to because a lot of you know Peter Levine's work and Bessel, they talk about animals in the wild and how they shake off traumatic stress. And so a few days after the traumatic birth experience, my body went into full convulsions. I just woke up in the middle of the night and my entire body was shaking. Yeah. And um, from doing the, this work and trauma, you know, body-based uh, interventions, I knew to just let my body do it. And, and it was really a blessing for me because I was like, OK, my body knows what to do. It's really you know those chills
0: could be sepsis. Yes, and fortunately so, it wasn't. So okay. you have to know the difference. So like, Absolutely you have to know the, the difference. You get infection through the <laughs> uterine wall really easily. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean that might have been it. That might have been bacteria breaking into your system and just didn't didn't cause septicemia it's just your body fought it off somehow.
1: It could be, but yeah, the way I interpreted it was different, but mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt sepsis is a <laughs> I felt very clear Woo, so okay. You're lucky. Yeah, if any of you shake just, make yeah. sure you go see your doctor. Yes. Um
0: Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, the whole thing is giving me trauma just hearing the story. I mean, it's good that you've had a lot of trauma therapy before you went through all this. Yes. It's uh, making me nervous. Hey, did you know that getting your children vaccinated is one of the most effective ways to protect from the 16 potentially harmful diseases, including measles, meningitis, whooping cough? The CDC estimates that vaccinating children born between 1994 and 2016 will prevent 381 million illnesses and more than 850,000 deaths. Think about that. Please talk to your doctor about protecting your children from vaccine-preventable diseases and make certain your family is up to date on their vaccines adult vaccines as well. Don't forget. For more, visit to womeningovernment.org. Well, Therawix Relief, you hear me talk about all the time. It's for those really troubling muscle cramps that can jolt you out of sleep, can prevent you from getting through daily activities, can make it impossible to exercise. And if you're one of these people, If you're not one, you may not know what I'm talking about. But if you are, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And TheraWorks Relief makes it so that you no longer have to take medication to relieve these things. You've heard me talking about it. A non-greasy foam, clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast, reduce muscle soreness. And if you use it twice a day, Therawix Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start. Get that full night's sleep or get into your daily activities and exercise. It only takes a minute to apply. It absorbs quickly and it really works. I recommend Therawix Relief to family, friends, patients, and the results speak for themselves. They pass it on to other people. TheraWorks Relief is my choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours, too. You can get TheraWorks Relief in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or discuss with your pharmacist. They tend to be as enthusiastic as I am because no longer are we giving dangerous and sedating medication for muscle cramps. You're just having non-greasy foam that you apply twice a day. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. That is TheraWorks Relief for your muscle cramps. Hey, if you like my show, you're going to love Just Between Us with Bailey Madison and Caitlin Villasuso on Podcast One. Even with a 13-year gap between them, these sisters and actresses navigate the ups and downs of life together as they share personal stories, candid conversations with some of their friends from the entertainment industry. Check out Just Between Us every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, okay. So we're, we're talking about layers of shame. We're talking about disgust and hatred and and filth and all these mixed feelings about the body and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, um, and a lot of people can't tolerate even talking about that. Mm-hmm. You know that's sort of where where people um lose the ability they either stay in a in a personality structure that defends against it mm-hmm. or they just don't even know it's there and never bring it out yeah and, um I know in addiction treatment that's the big thing is getting them to get clear and honest about shaming yeah people. yeah, and um do you ever sit people down and have them talk about it is
1: no, because I feel like that's not my role. I'm not a therapist. So again, if someone chooses to disclose, um, I hold space and I listen compassionately and empathetically. Do you hear anything
0: else? Any uh, you know, other interesting emotions associated with shame? Uh, I
1: there's a, it's just I feel like there's so much there. I mean, I yeah. work with people too that dissociate a lot. Um, well, tell, talk to us about that because yeah, that's so another it's just, huge piece. Yeah. So it's, it's like they literally leave their body and you can see it happening. Right. You're, you can uh, feel it. Or you see can it, it, it yeah. in their eyes sometimes. Yeah. You can literally – like but, it's a vacancy. But
0: sometimes they just deal with their emotions by dissociating. Yeah. Right? There can be a subtler dissociation uh-huh. just from feeling states.
1: Yeah. And there can be just kind of a flat affect if they're yeah. telling you about something super yes. traumatic and there's like nothing well, that's going right. on.
0: And so, so dissociation is something that the parasympathetic nervous system does. You're sort of going to a shutdown mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and shutdown also floods the brain with things that disconnects some of the wiring. It's how trauma survivors end up saying trauma was I dealt with it. It's off there somewhere mm-hmm. in the distance because they're literally not wired into it anymore. They're yeah. disconnected, and that diff- that disconnected part of themselves still needs attention and still sort of projects communicates into the world, even though it doesn't communicate to the individual. And it also gets reflected in their body states.
1: Yeah, one of the trauma survivors that I, uh, you know, she explained it to me. She had been through multiple um, sexual Abuse situations when she – from like ages 7 to 14 um, from her her mother's various different partners and that's what she said. She said, I would just leave my body because that's how I survived and that's what you do. I mean it's, it's actually a, a really – Intelligent um, response well, it's, it's, in the moment. Well, it's, but it's not, adaptive. It, yeah, it's, we, but
0: it's what we inherited from. It's uh, something we share with reptiles. Yeah, with freeze response, death feigning response, yeah. and, and but over uh, time
1: it's really maladaptive. Well,
0: and we have you know our brains. Our brain evolves in layers. We don't get rid of systems mm-hmm. we've had from the primitive system. We we just add things on top. Essentially, yeah. that's how our brain evolved. And we have this – we have a sort of more evolved, myelated parasympathetic system. Mm -hmm. We have the sympathetic fight-or-flight response. Yeah. But when those systems fail, then we go into this – Dorsal vagal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you've read Peter uh, – Stephen Porges. Stephen Porges and stuff too. Yeah, polyvagal theory. And so Steve – I mean Gary, Stephen Porges. (laughs) I know I did like three or four with him. (laughs) Uh, which I'm so happy you've read that. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm ecstatic.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like a hard slam on the brakes. And uh,
0: but I mean it figures right into the stuff <laughs> yes. you're doing. So mm-hmm. you, you're the only person I've ever talked to that's got all the stuff. Do you have a talk to anybody else in your field that is as informed in the um I've... the frame? Yeah,
1: there there's actually a lot of <laughs> oh, people. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because
0: it, it's when I started talking about this like ten years ago. What numbers? Sixty-three and ninety. Okay, Porridges. Um, and he wants to do another one by the way, Gary. So. Um, when I was talking about this back during those '63 and '90, which was like three or four years ago, nobody was talking about yeah. it. It was driving me crazy because we had the material, we have the answers mm-hmm. to how trauma works, and and it's so common. We I think we went through an epidemic of trauma, childhood trauma, yeah, in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Humbly, I think that's what yeah. happened. I think that's why we're in such a mess right now in this country. Yeah. That we're all these traumatized kids running around blaming and uh, raging and yeah. projecting. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, and probably every person you work with has some sort of Some sort of trauma. Yes, yeah, Yeah.
1: and that's kind of the premise of the book too. Is that everyone has experienced some type of trauma to varying degrees, to varying effects, but most of us don't even know that it's there.
0: So the parasympathetic, the primitive, unmyelinated parasympathetic system is what shuts us down, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it also affects the when when that when that kicks in affects the wiring in the brain, and and eventually you get there in some degree when you're in trauma. Because yeah. helplessness is that common experience of trauma. Yes. And helplessness is what kicks in that parasympathetic yeah. system.
1: Resignation, learned helplessness, absolutely. Yeah,
0: it's all the same stuff. And mm-hmm. then dissociation is the adaptive response so you can survive the unsurvivable. Yeah. But then it becomes wired in, it becomes an adaptive mechanism yep. that you use in response to everything. Yeah. And in my experience, I believe we also exit the frame of closeness, which is where we normally build our adaptive mechanisms, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is it interpersonal yeah. something? Yeah. And uh, you're giving them that frame back. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So that's that's the work that we tr- you know we we do. And
0: then how does the book take us through all that? It, 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 the book looks encyclopedic. I got to tell you, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> everything's here.
1: So it just starts off with a really basic kind of understanding about the, the neurobiology of trauma. Um, again, written from a non-neuroscientist perspective. No, no, I love it. Um, and. And, and that for me, which so stop is stop apologizing. Was, for that, by the well, way. it was part of the biggest piece. Yeah, but for but don't me apologize in, anymore. Okay. You, you understand this? Yes, stuff, as it well was as part anybody. of the biggest piece for me of, of healing my own trauma was just that awareness of this That's is you trauma. Hiding is that, you hiding again. Is that? Yeah, it's like I've been through trauma, and then it moves through different movement sequences um, to 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 work through things like dissociation, to work through things like chronic pain, anxiety, and then there's mindfulness uh, techniques and practices and meditations. Uh, and then there's also mood boosting recipes. So the idea was really that you can flip to any page and find something that will help you in the moment. Um, and then I also pull from my background of tai chi and qigong and 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 bring that in as well.
0: That feels like an empowering pose for trauma survivors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In, it's just creating boundaries.
0: Immovable horse. Yeah. Into... So
1: it's creating boundaries, and it's it's you know also being able to vocalize too. So in in some of the trainings that i do or working one-on-one um being able to get someone in a certain pose and then offering them the choice hey how would it feel for you to say no or to Mm. claim your boundaries or to say this is my body these are my arms
0: do you um ever have them work with another person in the book do you encourage anything like that
1: uh there is one for for intimacy and connection so there's one partner sequence um
0: is that, you, the, is that with the partner you're supposed to be? Um,
1: it doesn't have to be an you know an intimate partner. Right. It can be a friend, anyone that feels that's safe better. to you. Yeah,
0: better because in, intimate romantic relationships have all kinds of stuff yeah. that comes with it. Yeah. yeah,
1: and the person that is in the book is my is my friend. He's not my my partner.
0: Perfect. And then there's the foods that come at the end of that.
1: And then there's foods and it's just it's really a practical guide it's it's, it's not a diet plan it's just saying these just are you know these are some foods that may be exacerbating um, some of the symptoms you might be experiencing and these are some foods Happiness that, kebabs. Yeah, happiness kebabs. You got to get your omega 3s with your salmon and
0: <laughs> Very good. I mean this really looks like a a great project and and I I, I appreciate so much that it's informed with currently available wisdom and knowledge yeah, yeah. thank you because because uh, that helps you shape and focus and you know yeah
1: so it's just one healing path and and the it's really take what works discard what doesn't uh it's just tools it's give tools. me a couple
0: of minutes on women and domestic violence i just i just I, it breaks my heart and, and you know people get stuck in this but i love him and yeah defending him and yep. blaming themselves and all this stuff yeah. i mean what what if you know if somebody is in a situation where it's starting to you know how what would the line be that you'd say now you're in a domestic violence relationship it's, it's
1: really hard um because oftentimes in domestic violence situations is the the victim wants the violence to end but they don't necessarily want the relationship
0: to end they're addicted to it yeah they absolutely, they won't even contemplate yeah yeah. And then they're in that cycle of the walking on eggshells yes, and then yes, escalating yep. violence. The, the wheel of the, violence. Yeah. yeah. The wheel of Describe violence. Describe the wheel.
1: Uh, so it's exactly that. It's like there's there's a buildup of tension and then there's a big uh, rupture. Outburst. There's an outburst um, and then there's the the I'm apologizing. The apology, guilt, I'm so sorry. And yeah. Then, yeah. It'll never happen again. because I love you so
0: much, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then it happens again and again. And then again walking and on eggshells, then it happens yep. again. Yeah. 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 So. Um, it's challenging because, ugh, again, I just keep coming back to the same thing. I'm sorry. I sound like a broken – I'm not sorry. Um, but sorry, not sorry. It's, it's sorry, not sorry. But it's creating that safe space. So for me, when I was in it, uh, anyone who judged from the outside did not feel safe for me. But the people that just listened and held space, I could talk to. Hmm. And the biggest thing for me was that I was really isolated. So, Which that's uh, what the abuser yes, does. Yes, yes. So how they do their thing. So if you are um, – I mean, that would be my recommendation. Is if you're someone that you know is witnessing violence happening to someone else, be 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 there. Just be there.
0: Don't we want to get them separated and get them out?
1: Absolutely, um, that is the goal. But you have to really work with with where the survivor is at, mm. and know that you can't force anything. I mean, that's... that's
0: It's addiction like that's anything the thing. else. Like, it's, it's so addictive. tricky. Yeah, it's so it's like I can
1: work as hard as you, but not harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, no, it's an addictive relationship. Yeah. And, and they have to hit bottom, and they have to come to a clarity. Yeah. Oh, man, clarity. I hit so many
1: rock bottoms. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh,
0: Was there a yes. final moment of clarity or... Um, I'm interested in moments of clarity, that's why.
1: Sure. So for me, I ended up in jail. Ah, uh, that was lovely. That would get your attention. <laughs> that, but How the did thing I end is, up here? it didn't even get my attention. So I got my attention in that moment. But then I ended up back in another oof. abusive pattern. And Same
0: guy or different? No, different. Oh, I, well, oof.
1: same same person in, yeah. in that situation. Yeah. I went back because I felt like I had nowhere else to go. Mm. I felt like I couldn't share this with anyone. Right. I was so shut down and shame. So shame, yeah. Yeah, so that's part of the reason why I went back.
0: So where did the clarity um, come?
1: So the clarity came just from when I found myself in a second um, situation and hitting rock bottom there, realizing uh, it was just being in it because right. I thought that I would never go back. And oftentimes,
0: so times, oftentimes, a novel relationship with a, a friend, a listening person, like you mm-hmm. said, that helpful framing environment will gain the ability to see yourself and where you are. Did, yeah. did you think that, that happened to you where you had a new, maybe in your yoga or something? Or, I, had, you know I, I did mean?
1: have a few compassionate friends that were really able to hold that space yeah, for me. And uh, then you could see things. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I could kind of see, and, and and actually while I was in the second relationship, I had a few, what I would describe as out of body experiences, mm-hmm. not dissociating, but being able to see myself from a different perspective. And I would be having the rage response or the whatever toxic sludge that I was in, and I would see myself outside of myself, and I would say, "You're you're in this. You like, would just see yourself. You would, you would see yes. yourself. Get yeah. out of this. Yeah. Get and, out of this." And
0: did, What helped you have that objectivity?
1: Uh, I think a lot of the mindfulness practices so that the I was doing, thing you were yeah. doing. so
0: it, it, it worked, and you just yeah. Up. 'Cause I, I have patients that often will just suddenly see themselves. Like yeah. they'll look in the mirror and go, Oh my god, that's me. Yeah. And they could have been on that path for years yeah. and yeah. years and then all of a sudden they see themselves. And
1: actually what really helped though was understanding trauma reenactment because that was something I didn't even know. And again, oh. I didn't even know that uh, that my experience was traumatic. Oh. And so when I started doing the research and understanding this is what happens on a neurobiological level, my body is like wiring itself around this for this, is addicted to this. Just that awareness was like, okay. Okay.
0: That's a good place to wrap this yeah. thing up. I think because that that is that is the that is the message of people mm-hmm. with trauma is those reenactments and the wiring around it yes. and coming to terms with it and getting out yes. and breaking the cycle through having a frame and a process in yeah. that frame, and it takes time. It does. It does not happen quickly because yeah, they're talking about rewiring not. the brain and the body too. Yeah. That's all got to be sort of that autonomic system needs to be. Yeah. Re um jiggered. Yes, I guess we don't know what it is yet. <laughs> what exactly <laughs> is happening? But something is happening there. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to you want to uh, push out there or help people to be aware of the the book is the courage to rise, uh, using movement, mindfulness, and healing foods to triumph over trauma. It, it's encyclopedic and it's based in good solid theory and experience. Too, your yeah. experience, Both personally yeah. and as a as a provider. Yes. So thank you. All right. At primalyoga. Thezarch. Com. Yeah. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having we'll me. See you next time.